Sex Communication, a podcast of explicit audio and frank conversation. How do we talk about sex? How do we communicate during sex? Well, if you're here now, then you're going to find out. My name is Brianne McGuire, and each week I share an uncensored peek into the things we don't discuss. Sex. 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 I can't say the word sex. Sexy, sexy, sex stuff. Sex. Hello and welcome to episode 104 and day 9 of my personal coronavirus quarantine. Uh, Today I'm sharing with you my interview with Effie Blue. Some of you may already be familiar with her. She is a polyamorous relationship coach, among many other things, uh, and she's going to dive into all of those professional endeavors. But what I think is most special about this interview uh, is that we get to hear about her personal experience. You know, oftentimes when someone is a public figure, you see their work and you have very little opportunity to see past that. So yeah, I'm really grateful that she said yes to doing this interview. And, you know, she was very open, um, willing to discuss her her own sexual and relationship background and how those things kind of influence the work that she's doing now. So let's get into it. Here we go. Hi, Effie. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm well, Brienne. I'm well. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. Why don't you uh, just start by telling me a little bit about yourself? Um, sure. Um, my name is Effie. Um, currently, I'm a relationship coach. I uh, specialize in um, I'm, I specialize in non-traditional relationships, open relationships, polyamory. Um, also, help people with blended families or any kind of non non-traditional structures to thrive in their relationships. Um, I'm passionate about it. I don't, I used to have a corporate job and I never used to start with what I do for a living. It was a thing. Um, but these days I, I, I like starting that way because it's, it's just, it's just what I, it's just my life's work as I call it. Um, and it's something that I'm really passionate about human relationships, how we structure our relationships, why we structure them the way we do, um, society's role in it. Um, are the way that we're biochemically reinforced in certain ways. I think it's a fascinating topic. So I spend a lot of time thinking, talking, writing, and coaching around that subject. Um, so that's I'll start there. Other than that, um, I'm 39. Um, uh, 30, where, yeah, I'm 39. <laughs> uh, you know, it's always a thing, isn't it? I'm 39. Um, I am heteroflexible. Um, Ish, I guess it's it, it's something that I thought about for a long time, and I used to say I'm disappointingly straight, <laughs> um, and you know, and, and I think that was just another time when I hadn't really given this stuff enough thought, and these days I'm definitely noticing it's less about gender and sex and more about people, and um, the reason why I kind of hesitate around heteroflexible is because I tend to, um, you know, I, 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 I tend to be attracted to less women. Um, mm-hmm. But when I am, it's, it's like very full on. Um, right. So that's kind of why I guess that's, if I was going to put a label on it, that's where I would lie. And, um, and the other part of it is I've also noticed that, uh, that I'm, I'm you know, it's it's really about the person and the connection and the circumstances. And I think more and more I'm noticing that's that's the same for most people. It's just that we've, you know, internalized an identity and we kind of don't question it that much. Um, yeah. And I'm sure, you know, we can talk about that too. Um, yeah, I think that's a good good way to start. Yeah, 
that's plenty of stuff. Well, uh, you know, since you brought up that you do work with polyamory and your your coaching and you know uh, non traditional relationships, is that can you tell me about how you got into that? Like, is that the dynamic you grew up with? Yeah. Um, no, I grew up in a very um, and I say traditional. It wasn't. It was traditional in structure, um, but um, you know, n- not really. You know, my parents are, you know, intellectuals, and they've uh, been somewhat independent from one another as I was growing up. Uh, my mom is a keen traveler; she's been around the world multiple times, and my dad is a homebody. And um, they've never had any trouble kind of being out of each other's sight. Um, mm-hmm. she, you know, my mom traveled with herself, her friends, um, you know, with various tours, and every now and every now and then would drag my dad along, but ultimately he didn't, he wasn't really that interested. Um, so they, you know, they were married. Um, they, you know, they're not in an open relationship. And as far as I know, um, so in that kind of way, their structure is traditional, but in terms of dynamics in the relationship, I have witnessed them to be fairly, um, independent or uh, independent from one another. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I left home quite early. I left home when I was 13 to go to a boarding school. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think we're just independent souls, um, happen to be under the same roof and, and sort of take our time um, away from it when we need to. Um, and then I, you know, I, I had a very traditional, um, uh, you know, structures after that. I got married um, after college. <clears throat> that didn't work out. Um, and then I, you know, I, I got divorced. However, the thing that kind of, the thing that shaped everything is, as I, you know, I say that I was a um, serial, I have serial infidelity in my past. And Mm -hmm. what that means is that I had a bunch of one relationship at a time, you know, a string of one relationships at a time, uh, but almost all of them I cheated on my partners. And uh, it's not something I'm proud of. Don't cheat on your partners, people. Um, that's not, that's not polyamory. That's not an open relationship. Um, I, you know, I, I cheated and it was kind of weird. I didn't cheat because I didn't, um, I was unhappy or I didn't, I wasn't getting what I wanted. Um, I cheated when I actually was the most happiest and settled in that particular relationship. And it was kind of strange. Everything feels great. Um, and now I want to explore with kind of like the <laughs> dynamic. Yeah. Um, and then I would go and kind of it wasn't even intentional. I would go and I would kind of, someone would catch my eye, would chat. And then, you know, then it would one thing, you know, one thing would lead to another. And it was, it felt like I was kind of like adventuring and exploring. Um, and then I would, you know, come around afterwards and be like, Oh my God, what have I done? Often I confessed, you know, I would tell the person and it would end up in tears and arguments and heartbreak. Um, and you know, I did it over and over again. Um, and I was like, why, why is this happening? Um, and then I even got married thinking if I got married, maybe it wouldn't happen. Um, mm-hmm. That didn't work out. Um, and then at some point I decided that I just was, I just sucked at relationships. And that the, really the only thing that I could do was to not to have them. Um, and then and at the time I was just getting into my career. Um, I was living in London. And I, I took an international job, um, or I, I should say I transitioned into an international role in my, in my job at the time. And I started traveling a lot. Um, I uh, was 
traveling and living around the world. I was living, I lived in Asia for a year. I was in Africa for a year. I was in mainland Europe on and off for three years. Um, that's how I actually came to the US. Um, and, and during that time, it just gave me a really good excuse not to have relationships because I was, I just, I was like, Maybe, you know, look at my career, I'm traveling, I'm always in a different place. Like, how can I possibly have a relationship? So right. it, was, it, was, it was very passable, very acceptable excuse, um, both for myself and society, to why I wasn't, you know, settled down into a relationship. And, you know, I, I could always just, like, pull up my career and, and get a pass if anybody was questioning it or I was questioning it myself. And then eventually, um, I actually came to the U.S. I was in Boston first and I moved to New York. And then a bunch of things kind of collided in New York. And I think that New York kind of does that to you a little bit. Um, my, my career changed um, because I decided not to, I decided not to stop traveling. And, and I wanted to sort of settle in New York. Um, having done my extensive world research, I decided that New York was going to be my home. Um, so my career, my, my career changed, my, my job changed um, into a stationary one and suddenly became not very satisfactory. Um, and then I met, around the same time, I kind of stumbled into um, the non-monogamous slash sex-positive community in New York City, you know, almost by accident. Um, I was, you know, I was, I was in search of something else. I was kind of pursuing kink and, and sort of sexual expression and trying to sort of get into it. Um, and then I kind of realized, oh you know, what are these people doing? And then I realized, oh, it's, it wasn't that I sucked at relationships. I just sucked at one type of relationship. Um, and, and there are other ways of doing it. Um, and that was like a, that was a life-changing moment for me to sort of see and understand that. And, and I was also lucky because the people I met were, um, you know, and I do this in air quotes, like normal people. They seem like happy, healthy, well-adjusted folk that are, you know, you know, just pursuing a different type of structure, and it was working for them. Um, and then I'm a I'm a nerd, um, true to style. I just like went into this delt, deep delt, you know, deep rabbit hole into like, what is this about? Are these the only people doing it? Where does it come from? Who does it? Why do they do it? Um, and I sort of studied it in all the ways I can think of. And at the time. Um, I was also, as I said, wasn't loving my work. So I decided to take a sabbatical and just kind of really figure this stuff out for myself. Um, and as a part of that, as I read and learned and anything that I can get my hands on and attended workshops and spoke to people and did a bunch of exper exper uh, experimentation, I dated people who were already in a relationship. I dated people who weren't and we were sort of dating and dating other people at the same time. I dated... Um, you know, a couple um, together. I dated, you know, somebody who wasn't a couple, but wasn't together. So I was just kind of doing it for myself to understand like my emotional spectrum on things and, and, and my sort of where I stand. Um, and then realized that there just wasn't that many, that many resources um, really there. I mean, I struggled at the time. There was really nobody that I can go to that um, was, um, you know, could support me um, who had the knowledge base and really understood the journey uh, and was sort of impartial. Um, and then I decided I wanted to be that person for people. Um, so I, you know, trained to be a coach and then um, started my business as a coach. 
Um, and then my journey continues. You know, I, I to this day, um, my relationships are, you know, my labs. Um, so, so my poor partners. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, you know, that my relationships where I sort of like test communication and and sort of problem solve and figure out like, oh, where are the common like where are the common pitfalls when people are trying to navigate open relationships? Um, how can I be a better communicator? How can I be more empathetic? How can I be um, you know, where do I, you know, where the, where are the areas that I, um, get too involved? You know, when, when do I need to give people space? When do I need to ask for space? Um, and all that kind of stuff, um, is where I figured out a lot in my relationships. And these days I have a, a ton of clients. So I also get to, you know, def- I get the front row seats to other people's relationships and, and, um, see what goes on in those as well. Right. Are you in a relationship or relationships right now? Um, you see, that's an interesting question for people who identify as non-monogamous, right? Um, yes. Um, I, you know, I, there, are, there are people in my life who I see regularly and, and have sex with. Um, I don't have a primary partner, if you were kind of thinking about hierarchical terms. Um, but I do have people in my life that I've had for a long time, you know. Mm-hmm. So how... I mean, did you grow up in a sex-positive environment? Uh, no. No, but I, also, but I also didn't grow up in a sex-negative environment, right? Right. So, meaning, um, my parents would never talked about it, but they were also sort of, you know, liberal intellectuals and live-and-let-live type people, um, and they sort of, I didn't, there was no sort of shaming of sex. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't talk about it, but it was no, like, clear sex is bad message that came through. And then I spent my um, teenage years um, in the UK, which is also inherently a, um, a liberal place. Um, and essentially, and, and also around sex, like there's no, there's no slut shaming in the US, in the UK, for example. I was trying to explain to some friends from England about slut shaming in the US and they just couldn't, they were like, uh, they're just like, I don't understand. Like we don't have that, <laughs> you know? So, um, I didn't grow necessarily like sex positive, but I didn't also um, grow up in a sex negative place. Like it wasn't something that I felt ashamed about. Right. So what was your sex education like? Is it something you got at school and at home or one or the other or neither? (laughs) Uh, um, Neither. Um, Neither. The only sex conversation I had with my mom um, was bad information and I, and luckily I knew it was bad information. And as soon as I knew that, I was like, okay, so you're not my, you're not my resource for this. Right. Um, I love you, but no. Um, she said, um, she just, I think in, in, in a, in a flyby comments, because it just happened to be, you know, it just happened to be, um, you know, the topic she said, oh, um, you should use, you should use, you should double up on condoms to be <laughs> safe. And I was like, you definitely should not do that. <laughs> Um, so, um, I guess I won't be listening to you about this topic. So that was like, I was like, okay, that's not a reliable resource. And then, um, and then in the UK, I, um, we had sex ed actually, we had a little bit of sex ed, but it was mostly preventative. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't like, obviously it wasn't pleasure based. Um, it was mostly preventative. Um, but again, it's, it's sex is not something that, um, it's not there isn't that much shame around sex in the UK so it kind of makes sense that it was preventative and it wasn't the same series um of like lectures that we also did like drugs you know mm-hmm. we did like you know drugs are bad kids 
Um, and be careful when you're having sex because you might um, catch something or fall pregnant. Right. Were kind of the, the, the messages. And how old were you when you lost your virginity? Oh, I lost my virginity at 18. Um, so, so here's the thing, though. I remember very clearly, um, actually, not that clearly, but definitely, like, I have a very strong sense of, like, discovering my vagina around four years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and we worked on this with my therapist. And, um, and it, 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 you know, the, my earliest memories, like, around four, I sort of, like, discovered my vagina. And I was like, ooh, okay. <laughs> I was like, this is cool. I was like, we're going to be BFFs forever. Um, so it was like early on, I was discovering my body and it was something that was like on my radar as something that was like interesting. Um, and then I'm an only child. So I spent a lot of time alone. Um, and, and I think I spent quite a bit of that time, like discovering my body. And I remember like learning, like figuring out how to masturbate quite early. Um, and so I felt like I was like sexual a lot earlier than 18 and I think because I was sexual and I was experimenting um and I felt like I didn't like I just didn't feel pressured into doing it with somebody else because I was like happily merrily going about in my own world and and exploring and and um you know you know like figuring out pleasure and all that kind of stuff and I I think by the time I realized that you got other people involved um, it was already a private experience. Like it was already an established private experience. Right. Um, so it, I wasn't like I wasn't like dying to find somebody else to do it with. If that makes sense. It does. Do you feel like it helped when you had sex with a partner that you you know having known your own body in that way that did you feel more comfortable or more knowledgeable about how to make the experience pleasurable for you? Um, I wouldn't, I mean, I, I wish I could say that. Um, all I can say is that it was a good experience. Like my first time was a good experience. It was with somebody who was actually a friend and, and I, you know, interestingly, that's, that's kind of been my MO since like, I, you know, the, 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 the joke that I throw around is that I fuck my friends. Um, it doesn't mean to say I fuck all my friends, but the people I fuck tend to be my friends on some level, even partners tend to baseline at friendship. And um, the person that I had sex with for the first time was also a friend who I've who I'd known, um, who I'd got to know for a while. And it was it was fun. It was funny. Um, it was light. Uh, we you know we talked and laughed. Um, was it pleasurable? Did I orgasm? Was it like you know shook my world? No, no. <laughs> but it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it, again, it didn't. It wasn't shameful, and it wasn't um, hard or painful or, or like awkward. Um, and whatever awkwardness there was, we kind of laughed it off. Right. But I wouldn't say like my first time was full of pleasure. No. Were you having orgasms before that though, when you were masturbating? Yeah. 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 I was, I was having, I was having orgasms way before that. And were you just using your hands? Did you have toys? Like what, what was Um, your process? (laughs) uh, Sure. Hands and the, and hands and the occasional pillow. Hmm. Um, would be, you know, um, would be my go-to, like hands and pillow would be my go-to. Um, and then later in life, I could actually do it. Um, I can actually do it without touching myself. Hmm. Um, so it's like, um, good places that I, uh, when I was traveling a lot for work, um, planes were where I would just like, 
on a plane, you can sit and no one's going to disturb you. And you're kind of sitting and kind of stuck in your chair. Um, and I kind of got, I got, um, I got skilled at just using the, like using my muscles yeah. um, and my imagination and I can get there. Um, but earlier on, it was mostly hands and pillows. It's funny that you talk about being able to do it without, uh, you know, touching yourself. There was another woman that I had interviewed and she talked about when she was in school, she like whenever she felt like she had a pee, she'd cross her legs and she'd make herself come in her seat like that. That would be this kind of trigger for her. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. I think earlier, I think earlier in your life, like from, you know, we, we talk about how, um, you know, boys, you know, because they, because they have a visible heart on, they get hard that, Oh, they, like they're the horny ones. Um, and then we tell our girls like, they're not horny, whatever. But when you were, when you were, when you were, when you were, when you were a teenager, you were a teenager, like you have the same hormones, um, you know, going through your body and if you allow yourself um to like get horny um you can definitely you know there's a lot there there's a lot you can do yeah (laughs) so how okay so you had you lost your virginity at 18 Mm -hmm. you talked about your kind of relationship history like how has sex changed for you with other people from the time that you first started having sex with partners to where you are now? Or is it largely the same? Like, can you just describe your kind of physical sexual journey? Sure. So, um, I I think actually my journey is a little bit on the reverse side, meaning, um, I I was very, I was, I feel like I was, now that I've spoken to so many people and, and, and now this is like my area of, 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 of interest and passion I, I realized that a lot of people grew up internalizing shame and guilt around sex. Um, I never got that memo. Um, so I actually grew up fairly um, comfortable with my sexuality <laughs> and my body. And, and, and the only reason why I wouldn't talk about it or I like, didn't say all the things was because, not because I felt ashamed, but I just had a sense that it was going to be, um, the other person was going to feel uncomfortable and I just didn't want to make other people uncomfortable, but I never, I never particularly felt shame or, or guilt. Um, and then I sort of went around about my, you know, about my life, um, you know, with connecting with partners and, um, and mostly having, um, good experiences, meaning not necessarily like full of pleasure, but, um, good, you know, um, they were they were fun they were open um and then um when i moved here and i went you know i, I sort of met the the non-monogamous uh, non-monogamous community sex positive community and i started going to um to sex parties uh, which is something that i was you know that i really wanted to to experience i've had a couple of not so great experiences um and and you know essentially trauma and that those really um knocked me back and you're um, talking about trauma at the parties or independent of the parties um so a, a couple of them at the, well a couple of them at the parties and one of independent of of that um with an with a part with an ex-partner and they were unfortunately they were kind of um they left dents is the best way that I can, I can tell you. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm lucky that, um, developmentally, like the, ori- the, the original, um, desire that my original experience was were wholesome. Um, so I think, you know, right. You know, I, I'm doing a lot of work around it and I'm seeing somebody who's 
specialized in trauma and you know there's a lot of healing that's happening I think it would have been worse that if I if that sort of was happening during my developmental years that at least I have good foundation um and and whatever happened happened very much in my adult life um so they're a little easier to sort of take care of and heal um but really I I got knocked you know I got a I got knocked back um through those experiences and right now um I I'm in that phase of just healing that um and you know I'm I'm on a less I'm a less adventurous currently I'm in a less adventurous more healing phase mm. I should say yeah are they experiences you'd like to talk about or that's a topic you want to kind of just pass on um sure I think um let me see how I can talk about them that 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 feels good and adds value to this conversation one of them was um I I should say that the couple of the experiences where I just felt physically unsafe um and that the you know the the person was kind of um and one of them sort of this person that kind of pinned me against the wall and 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 the the thing was that there were sort of I'm like I'm 5 foot and 120 pounds I'm a, I'm a small person and this person was like double my size in both directions like height wise and width wise right. and I I felt very physically unsafe um, and, and, and I hadn't, I haven't really felt that, like I haven't felt physically unsafe before. Um, and it just happened to be around, you know, when I was like in my sexy mode, right? So the, the, and, and, and they, you know, they kind of put me against the wall and they, they said, oh, you know, I'm going to rip, rip that dress off you or, or, or whatever. And it was just like, it was so much aggression and so much, um, uh, violence, in that space where I was like sexually open and I think it just got, you know, it was just like, Whoa, this is scary. Um, and that, that, that kind of left then at the time I didn't realize how much it affected me actually. Cause I kind of actually th threw them out the party myself. Um, but I think afterwards, like when, when all the, the chemicals drained out of my, my body, I, I you know, I realized actually maybe it wasn't as easy as, like throwing somebody out um it was actually kind of the next day or maybe even the day after where i was like "Ooh, this doesn't like this doesn't feel good um and and it kind of i realized that i was like masturbating less and um you know was not necessarily that interested in like going to parties uh, and I educate around this stuff, right? So I'm, I'm, and I realized like I was still intellectually engaged with the, with the concepts and the, and, and sex and sexuality and, you know, play parties. And I was like intellectually very much still engaged. Um, but I felt like I was becoming less and less embodied around it. Um, and then, so that was one experience. And then another one was a, an ex partner who, um, turned pretty violent. Um, again, it was in the context of kink, um, which was supposed to have been sort of agreed upon. Um, but he, um, his kink was to uh, essentially cross boundaries mm -hmm. and, and he wasn't satisfied until he crossed boundaries. So, um, even if you agreed upon boundaries that were somewhat out there, um, it still wouldn't work for him. He'd have just crossed those boundaries. Right. Um, and it was, it, it was one of those, it was one of those experiences where we'd agreed to ban boundaries. Which were, or, you know, there was no buffer zone, you know, um, there was no buffer zone in, in, in the boundaries. Um, and he just like wanted to cross and that was kind of traumatic. And then, 
as a part of that, he, to even sort of like get, you know, get further into his kink, just was withdrew a lot of, um, withheld um, aftercare. Mm-hmm. So it was like traumatic. And then I didn't, I didn't like regulate. After. Right. Yeah. And that was also, um, that was also showing that also stuck around us or also something that like, you know, I have to, you know, working on things like EMDR, like it's, it's like, ex- like big T trauma, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and even now I can hear in my tone that I could, when I'm talking about it, I'm very much intellectual. Like it's, it's, um, it's compartmentalized in the intellectual part of my brain. Um, and it's like, I, that is, that is my defense. That is my primary defense mechanism. Um, if I'm, you know, if something is tender, I tend to intellectualize it. And the, I can tell from the way I'm talking about it, it's very tender because it's, it sounds very intellectual. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I, you know, I've been, I've experienced a lot of sexual trauma myself and other kinds of abuse. And um, I'm in recovery also, so that I feel like I, a lot of the tools I have for coping with these things, is, a lot of it has come from the work I've done in recovery has really helped me heal from those things. Um, but yeah, I understand the compartmentalizing. So the, the partner experience that you were talking about, is this somebody that you still see like in any capacity? No, absolutely not. No, um, no, I, I, um, all those people are very much out of my life. Um, I, you know, I, and I don't have any, um, desire to, you know, to, to have them in my life. I, I think, you know, I think I definitely stayed around longer than I should have, which I think is the case with most, most abuse cases. Um, and I, I think one of the things I definitely understood from it is that you don't realize your trauma, like trauma is not something that you realize there and that, um, it's something that you kind of like something happens and then you, at least that, I should say that's my experience, like something happens and then after, you know, it takes a while for everything to catch up. Yeah. Um, and I think in the time, at the time you kind of do whatever you need to move move forward from that moment so you know you suppress it you compartmentalize it or all the things and then i think after a while like all the the things that you apply to it no longer no longer serves or it becomes ineffective and it starts coming out and i think um once i once everything else caught up you know once i caught up with myself my body my mind my soul kind of like caught up with itself and 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 um decided that you know this was wasn't you know this was not good um i kind of pulled the trigger immediately um mm-hmm. i was like okay this uh, no <laughs> um and um and then i realized okay this is you know i need to take care of myself um and you know i don't you know i i wouldn't i would take it back i wish it didn't happen for sure um the silver lining is that it's actually given me a lot of insight that um, made me better at my job. Mm-hmm. So if I ever need to like think about a silver lining, that's where I end up. Because right. you, can, you can learn about trauma, and I and and I and I had it that I like I I knew like I, I was studying trauma, um, but it just did you know I knew intellectually what it was and how it happened and what it does to people and all that kind of stuff. Um, and and I was now now I actually also know how how it how it can be experienced, right? Because I've experienced it myself. Um, so that's like the one silver lining, but you know, I don't, I don't have any, 
you know, people, I was invited with one person. Um, I was invited to a, um, what's the word? Uh, restorative justice pro- pro- process. This one person, because he's hurt, he'd hurt so many people that at some point, um, you know, eventually somebody took notice of all, well, he'd hurt a lot of women and the women had been saying this for a while and nothing happened. And then he hurt a man and lo and behold, um, he was held accountable. (laughs) And, um, um, and as a part of that accountability effort, he was, um, put through a restorative justice process. Um, and I was invited to that and I didn't go. Um, uh, I think I just don't necessarily I don't, Im- I don't imagine I'm going to get anything out of those processes. I think I'm better off um, just not necessarily like giving any effort, energy, emotional labor towards those people. And, and whatever there is, is to just use it on myself and my healing. Right. Has, have those experiences changed the things that you're interested in sexually or your own sexual practices? Um, yes, actually. And, and I'm, I'm, I want to go, I want to go back to my like happy, healthy, thriving sexual self, because I do think that you say your sexual expression (coughs) is a part of your self-expression. Um, and right now where I am, um, I described it to somebody the other day. It's like my sort of, my sexual self is kind of like sitting in the corner sulking right now. Mm -hmm. Um, she's like, she's refusing to play. Um, so, you know, I have, you know, I have sadness around that. And I think, um, it's just going to take a little bit of time, effort, energy, um, support, um, to sort of like coax her back out again and, and get her to sort of believe that she's safe and she can play and, you know, not everyone's a, not everyone's a predator. Um, um, and I'm working on that. I'm working on that. And, and, and so right now I, I, I want to believe that it's a phase and not, it's not like changed forever. Um, right now I feel a little, um, disconnected from it all. That's fair. Do you, I mean, are you still masturbating or are you, you're kind of abstinent in all areas? Um, I, um, I masturbate not as much as I used to. Um, yeah, not as much as I used to, but I, I, I you know, I, I think, you know, I think I started masturbating so early and it was such a big part of, you know, it's just like, it's been a part of my life for a long time. And it was always a, um, you know, a, a place of like pleasure and comfort. And, you know, so I think I still, you know, I still masturbate, not as much as I used to. Um, I think it's, it's these days, it's more like a, an effort to stay connected with my body and my sexuality rather than something that I go for. It's more of a, uh, I don't know how to like not proactive, but it's more of like oh I should just do this because if I if I don't do this I'm gonna be like I'm gonna be disconnected entirely mm-hmm. right um so I think right now it's more of a tool than a place of like pleasure and and comfort. I got you. So if you were your you know back to your feeling like your free sexual playful self, mm-hmm. what what are the things that you enjoy the most? Like what really gets you off? Um, huh. Uh, I mean, I actually, the reason why I wanted to go to the sex parties was because it was like that, that sort of like that, um, 
like charged sexual energy was something that I, you know, I used to really like both be in it with other people um, and, and watch it um, and, and, and partake uh, was something that I really, really enjoyed um, both, you know, just in, in, in sort of in group and in community um, was something that I, I really enjoyed. Um, and it's not necessarily, I'm not an exhibitionist as such. Like I don't need audience. I don't need a massive audience. Um, I just like the collective sexual energy yeah. that that is created with there's like multiple people that are at least energetically involved. Um, so that's something that I, that I really, really enjoyed. Um, and, and for, um, for a while I was really interested in sort of, um, power dynamics. So, um, in like kinky power dynamics, that was something that I really enjoyed, um, both topping and bottoming. So like, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a switch and that was something that I've, that I really enjoyed. I'm not necessarily much of like a toys and props and, and outfits kind of girl. Um, like I, I got a bunch I've over time, I've collected a bunch of toys and vibrators and, and dildos and all sorts of things. And really, I, I don't need them. Like they're fun to have around for other, other people. And it's like, you know, or like fun thing to do every now and then it's not something that I necessarily um, need or seek. Um, and that goes with both like masturbation or with just with one, one other person or, or group play. Um, like I, I, I don't need, I don't need vibrators. I don't even, you know, I don't even like them. I mean, I don't dislike them, but I don't necessarily like need them. And I'd rather, you know, I would always choose my hand over vibrators. What mm-hmm. I should say. Yeah. Um, so I think for me, what I was really into is more in the energy and the dynamics um, than props and, um, you know, props and outfits and toys. Um, and, and just interested in like the, the intensity of, of experiences. Right. Um, and same with, you know, things like pain or, um, you know, any of those things were really did it for me if it was adding to an experience um, and adding to an intensity, not necessarily just because, you know, like I, I don't necessarily enjoy being hit or like being spanked for the sake of being spanked, you know, or um, I don't necessarily, you know, like a flogger for the sake of a flogger, you know, um, it's not, it's, it's really just about adding to the experience and like turning up the intensity um, is sort of what, what I'm, what I, what worked for me. Right. So, I mean, and I'm saying from my own experience, but also speaking with a number of people, especially in the King community and, you know, while not everybody has a history of trauma or abuse, there's certainly a fair amount of the population that has and who use kink and BDSM and power dynamics to kind of, you know, reclaim ownership of certain feelings and, and experiences. Is that something that you've considered? Because it sounds like the the experiences that you were describing, you know, you were being overpowered. So, you know, you mentioned being a switch, um, like has been really being proactive as being a top, has that been part of your healing process or something you've considered? Um, I, I thought about it for sure. So I, I think, I think um, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time in the King community. I, I do think that there are like three types of, it's like I would put people into like three buckets. Ones are like they're kinky because they're born that way. Um, like they're literally, that's how their sexual expression is. Um, and I think 
the, the second group would be people who fell in love with or in a relationship with kinky people and they're, it doesn't offend them and they go along with it because it's like it, they're happy to do it for, for their partner. And the third group are people who um, something did happen, um, whether earlier on in their age, you know, or whatever, and, and their, sexuality, their sexuality or sexual development literally kinked, you know, it like got derailed. Um, and they've sort of turned into, you know, they, they do what they do now because of, of uh, you know, some sort of trauma. Um, <clears throat> I think that I was in the first bucket mm-hmm. um, initially, and then trauma happened. And um, I think because of that, I don't necessarily feel like that's where I'm going to heal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, go, I, I think where I'm, what I'm looking for is, is more like, you know, Right now, where my explanation is more around like sacred sexuality and spiritual sexuality and like that, like healing through sex, like I'm kind of in those, I'm swimming in those waters right now. Yeah. Um, because I just don't, I don't think that more of the same is going to help for me, for me, for me. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I can, like, I have both seen, um, spoken to, and have clients who have. You know who do use um, kink to heal and to manage their trauma. They feel that they can relive an experience where they felt powerless, um, in full control, and it it helps them heal. And this is well documented, well you know, um, well reported experience. And if it works for you, I think you know, whoever's listening, if it works for you. You know, great. Keep doing it. I, I just don't, I don't, it's not calling me in that way. Yeah. Um, I feel like it was never a coping mechanism. It was never, um, I, I, I wasn't in that third group. I wasn't in that third bucket in the first place. So um, I, I'm not necessarily finding um, ways to use it to heal. Mm. You know, I feel like I was sort of more in the first bucket than I, got kicked out <laughs> and now I'm kind of like, you know, like, like, you know, drop kicked out of the bucket. Um, yeah. and now I'm kind of, I'm, I'm swimming in other waters, which also personally, um, is kind of more interesting to me because like variety is interesting to me, different experiences interesting to me. I'm, I'm naturally curious, um, where I find a lot of my healing and, and sense of safety comes from is, curiosity and knowledge and learning and I think um try just like staying in that that kink dynamic and and sort of playing around with the same thing is also just not that interesting to me I think now delving into this new world of like looking at sex in a very in a different way and more energetic way and it is challenging me right because I'm an intellectual I you know so um like woo sex isn't naturally you know, something that I'm drawn to. So it's challenging me also. It's really challenging me in the way that I view, you know, everything, right? So like, um, but, but, but that's kind of where, what, what's, what's calling me um, and I'm finding healing there. So those are, the, those are the waters I'm swimming in. That makes sense. So with all of the things that you've already tried, are there still things on your sexual bucket list? Um, Things that I want to try, I definitely want to, again, um, in, in these new waters that I'm swimming in, I definitely want to have more tantric, tantric experiences. Mm. Um, I don't think that I've had a full sort of tantric experience yet. 
Um, and I want to kind of explain, I want to kind of delve into that very sort of merging of energies um, type of experience. Um, I was um, I was on an island, uh, a, Thai, a Thai island called Koh Phangan, um over the holidays. And there was a lot of that happening there. And there was like a, a lot of like energy stuff, workshops and gatherings. And I was, and I, you know, I, I got a taste of it. And, and now I'm like, hmm, I want to know more. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm definitely there, like the whole, this other world of um, spiritual, sacred sexuality stuff that I don't have that much experience in. And I definitely want to, definitely want to delve more into it. Um, and, uh, and other people, like I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in other people's um, uh, kinks or desires. Um, and I think that's, you know, I think that's something that I want to, it's one of the reasons why I want to be in an open relationship, right? I don't necessarily want, um, I'm not seeking to like escape from my, my one, you know, my relationships. I mean, I'm really interested in like experiencing things with other people and I don't want to have limits to those experiences. And, and, um, I think just exploring more people and, 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 uh, what they're into is something that I want to keep doing as well. Yeah. So I can just tell, and, you know, we've spoken prior to this and, you know, just being a coach, communication definitely sounds like a big part of, you know, not only your professional life, but just something that's always been a part of your personal journey as well. So given that, assuming that is correct, do you feel like you're very comfortable um, asking for what you want and expressing boundaries and expressing desire, et cetera, when you're actually having sex, like not just relationship stuff, but like literally the physical act you're with, someone or someone's, you know, are you very vocal on your own behalf? Um, I would say the, yes. Uh, and I think it's, I think the skill that I practice is, is that yes, in terms of, I know what I like and I can explain to, to somebody what that is. Um, the ongoing work is, can you explain it in a way that they'll get it hmm. and still like, you know, feel sexy that you're not kind of pausing and, and pulling out an anatomy chart and going, here is where you know, I can definitely do that. Um, it's, 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 um, it's like, how do you in- incorporate it into your, into your sexual experience? Right. I think that's where the, that's where it kind of, it, it's a, it's a skill that I, I keep practicing and, and people also are different and they want to hear it differently. Um, you know, some people want like verbal instructions, like, left a bit, right a bit, harder, slower, you know, where, where they're, you know, while that confuses other people, you know, they don't want to think when they're in their sexual experience, they don't want to think of their like, you're right, my left. <laughs> you know, so you kind of want to like move people's hands or you need to like move, you know, move their body in a certain way. Um, so I think that's, you know, uh, those are the skills that I'm, you know, always trying to understand how, um, to explain it to other people. Um, I definitely, I think my preference is more physical. So like, I want to be moved. Again, I'm one of those people, like I don't, if you give me verbal instructions, like I'm a very verbose person, as you can tell, I'm all about words. <laughs> um, I, I talk a lot and I write a lot and I explain things. Um, when I'm having sex, that part of my brain gets in the way of my pleasure because then that, that's the analytical part of my brain. Um, 
so ideally, like people are moving me around physically, and I'm, I'm tend to be like physically in tune. So like if you like nudge me to one side a little bit, I will like I will get that message, you know. But if you say to me, you know, move right, I'll be like, um, okay, you know. <laughs> and, and then once I get to that part of my brain, then I'm like, I wonder why, you know, does that right. is that because they're like. <laughs> you know they're 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 like body anatomy is this way and i'm like shh come on (laughs) so that's you know that's what i like um and i can also like verbalize that to people at the beginning um so i think i'm i'm yeah i think i've become a good communicator and i i I, it's a continuous work for me you know that's interesting so I, i was thinking about this while we were talking and just again this is kind of in form of my own experience and something i've asked other people who you know, are not only sexual beings and very sex positive, you know, very open sexually, but are in some sort of professional way working with sex. So I know last year, you know, I I think I told you when we got together the last time I was putting out two episodes a week and it was really intense. And by the end of the year, I felt sexed out. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm just wondering, like, do you go through the same thing? I mean, I know you're you're not a sex therapist or whatever, but I mean, like, sex is definitely a part of, you know, like you like you said, you do education or, around party uh, preparation and, you know, workshops on, on educating people about things with sex and you're coaching people with relationships and that involves sex. Like, it does it just all get to be so much sometimes that in your own personal life, you're just like, I don't want to think or do or, or just have this in my space right now. I can't take it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, and I think, you know, yes is the answer. Um, and I think, um, and, and that's obviously the same with everybody, right? You know, if you're, you know, if you're a chef. Um, you don't want to cook when you get home. <laughs> when you get home, you're like, let me just make myself a beautiful dinner. You know, you're just like, no, I'm going to pull seamless, right? Or, yeah. you know, or can, you know, going to ask your partner to cook for you. Um, if they're nice. Um, so, you know, it's, I think it's the same idea. I think it's just the human nature that we do, um, you know, we do overload ourselves. If you, if we do overload ourselves with one thing, it's just like, you're just like, I don't want to hear any, I don't want to deal with it anymore. Um, I have moved, um, because of that, I have moved a little, I've dropped some of the projects that are more, more, um, you know, sex stuff. So like I've stopped going to sex parties for a while. Um, and I don't teach at them anymore. I used to do a lot of orientations. Mm, um, I don't do that anymore. So I've, I've definitely pared down some of the stuff that's professional. Um, and and so that I could really work on healing and reconnecting and, and enjoying sex. One thing that I'm learning is that sexual energy is, um, crucial actually. And, and it's not, it's not, infinite um that we do adapt to it in a way that that it becomes not so potent like it dilutes i should say but energy i don't want to say it's not infinite i think that it dilutes Mm -hmm. the more you the more you use it the more you kind of um uh its effectiveness dilutes um that's my experience of it i i can under like i i agree and disagree at the same time because you know, in the, the context of, you know, like working and living it, absolutely, I, I agree with that. But I also find, I think part of my struggle too was that um, 
I was sleeping with people and, and engaging in things, but you know, no real um, monogamous relationships or all or any partners like you know, like committed partners. And I've always felt like when I have somebody that's like a regular connection, you know, the more sex that I have, the more sex I want to have. And part of my struggle was, you know, navigating all of these things and, and, you know, occasionally having somebody else in my realm, but mostly it was like my own world, which I just naturally, like if I don't have any physical partners, like I may go through spurts where I'm masturbating all the time, but it's just as likely that I might go, you know, several months and not even masturbate. So I, you know, in that sense, I feel like the dilution, the dilution of sexual energy, like when it does come to other beings, I feel like they actually amplify my sexual mm-hmm. energy. Mm-hmm. And do you find that as well? Or? Um, yeah, I definitely agree that if you have the more, the more sex you have, the more you want. Uh, I, I should, okay, let me talk about eye terms. Um, yeah, I definitely felt that there, you know, when I have been in relationships where I'm having a lot of sex, the more I had sex, the more I wanted sex. Right. Um, I guess it's when it's, I guess it's for me, it's the intention and it's everything around it, I think, to me, that d- determines if it's depleting me or if it's rejuvenating me. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you know, if I'm doing it because I'm, you know, fully you know, engaged and enthralled and that's what I want to do, um, then yes, it's rejuvenating. But I think that's not always the case. Um, and it's sometimes it's very subtle and in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, even if you're doing it intellectually, like, like I do it, coaching, teaching, thinking about it, writing about it, even that I think, you know, unless it's somehow... Um, coming back to me, meaning I'm learning or, or I'm learning or I'm discovering something. If I'm just regurgitating things I've already written about, maybe, or if I'm like coaching about it now for the fourth time in the day, um, it also like feels like it loses its potency. Hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. So we're closing in on an hour. So I was just wondering, do you want to just mention some of the other projects you've got going on or is there anything else you want to talk about? I'm sure I can I can tell you a little, little bit about um, what I go about doing in the world. Um, so uh, primarily, I'm a relationship coach. I work with couples. Um, I work with anyone who's curious about transitioning into or have hit some sort of a roadblock in open relationships. Um, I predominantly work with couples these days. Um, uh, there are couples that are either, you know, they just got together and they want to put down foundations as in an open relationship or they've been together for a while and they're thinking about opening up. Um, so there's predominantly my work. I also work with folks who are solo um, and they want to date in the world um, either to look for an open relationship or as being open poly. So they mm-hmm. want to sort of date um, as, a, as a solo poly person and they kind of want to know how to do that. Um, and then I also work with people already existing non-traditional relationships like triads, quads, um, who've hit you know, who've hit some sort of a roadblock and traditional um, support, uh, professional um, support networks aren't available. So a couples therapist is a couples therapist. They're not a triad therapist and they kind of don't quite 
um, know how to work a, a triad, how to support a triad, for example. Um, so that's kind of where I focus on my work. Um, and, and you can find all those details on my website, effieblue.com, E-F-F-Y, blue, like the color blue.com, so effieblue.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a community organization called Curious Fox. Um, you can find all the details um, pretty much on all social media. We are Curious Foxes. And also we are, um, um, and we are curiousfoxes.com. Um, it's a community for those who challenge the status quo and love sex and relationships. Uh, we do a lot of programming, um, be it workshops, seminars, parties, socials, um, conferences, all around love, sex, and relationships. Um, and for funsies, <laughs> um, I've developed a, um, I've collaborated with a, a, a fiercely talented artist friend of mine, um, Elizabeth Rube, um, to design a fun book called Play Party Etiquette. Uh, it's for people who are interested in going to sex parties and um, navigate them with confidence and um, and com- you know with confidence and safely. Um, and that you can find details around that at playpartyetiquette.com. All right, I'm gonna link to all of these things in the show notes so people Yay. don't have to remember and they'll have yeah. quick, easy access. Thank this you. This is great. Well, thank you, Effie. I appreciate you speaking with me today and talking about all this stuff. <laughs> no, you're welcome. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sex Communication. Please subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like more information about the show, visit us online at graphicpaint.com slash sexpodcast. If you'd like to be a part of the show, please email me at sex at graphicpaint.com. I am always looking for new sex audio and people to interview. See you next week.